0: Hey, this is your McAlpine from Jefferson Airplane and Hot Tuna, and you are listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. DIY and How Studios presents Deeper Digs in Rock, part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Music, culture, technology, and rock and roll. Now on with the show hello diggers rockers rollers gunslingers pounders dancers and funkers goths metalheads poppers hey whatever you're all welcome and hey welcome to another edition of deeper digs in rock christian swain here i am the rock and roll archaeologist and i'm behind the mic in san francisco today okay here's the news. I want to let you all know we are now a part of Pantheon Media. This show and all of the fantastic podcasts exploring the rock and roll age are now a part of this and will be brought to you by Pantheon from now on. We are still digging into rock and roll archaeology, but we may be opening some more modern musical approaches in our ongoing work. So, Keep an ear open, because in just a few weeks, we will be launching a couple of awesome new shows for you. Something for everyone here at our new home, Pantheon Media. Finally, and uh, this is the one that really matters to all of us, if you enjoy what we are doing here, please, please tell a friend about Rock and Roll Archaeology, and now Pantheon Podcasts. All right, thank you, business handled, let's do this
1: man came down from chicago he gonna set that levy right he says it needs to be at
0: least three feet higher it won't make it through the night but the old man down in the corner he said don't you listen to that boy the water be down by
1: the morning and he'll be
0: We have something new and modern for you. Oh, don't worry too much. This is all rock and roll. But like I said at the top, we are going to be widening our net a little. So today I want you to all welcome our special guest, Ed Gerdy from the Band of Heathens. Ed, along with Gordy Quist, Trevor Nealon, Richard Millsap and Scott Davis have been crisscrossing the nation playing the good Lord's music since 2007. Almost immediately, they were recognized as a special group from the Americana audience. They had a hit in 2008 with Tom Schuyler, Keith Stegall, and uh, Stuart Harris' band Hurricane that uh, we heard a little bit of here just a minute ago. Uh, In 2009, they got a cherished spot on Austin City Limits. And since, they've put out four studio albums and a couple of live ones as well. Uh, So they have plenty of Americana street cred. Now, they have just released a special album. One that seems meant for our tough political times. Not that the message is overt, as you'll hear Ed explain in a minute, but perhaps they feel the world needs to take a step back and listen to each other. Not unlike 1972, when Ray Charles put out a record asking the very same questions. Well, how are you going to beat the genius of Ray Charles? (laughs) Maybe just update the very same record. And that is what the band of heathens have done. A Message from the People Revisited it was released and just might be the elixir you need to start off your new year. So let's get to it. Please welcome Ed jerdy from the Band of Heathens.
1: Listen up, everybody. I got an idea. To the Congress of the United States and tell them what's on our mind. Because we're the richest country in the world and we can't take care of our own people. You know, I believe we ought to say something like
0: Welcome to Deeper Digs in Rocket, Journey, How are you doing today? Doing great, man. How are you? You know, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, lovely day to be uh, talking rock and roll. So, uh, uh, okay, before we get into the new record, a reimagining of a message from the people revisited, uh, let's get the background on uh, Band of Heathens. So my first question I want to know is about coming out of the Austin music scene in the uh, in the aughts, and that is where you guys come from, right?
1: Yeah, we do. Um, right in the middle of the odds, as a matter of fact. Well, it was a great scene to come out of. And I think specifically for our band and the kind of music that we play and what we were doing when we got started, there was no other place that it would have happened. You know, I think both stylistically, um, you know, kind of the the kaleidoscope of American roots music being one part of it. And then just sort of the uh, the nature of the Austin music scene, which was always a very inclusive and collaborative um sort of thing i think really planted the seeds for us to be able to do uh, what we did
0: yeah and you also had south by southwest that would show up every year uh, so it, it, it was like meant to be a big music town and it really turned into that uh certainly uh when you guys were coming up uh is it still that way today well, I think so. I think just with, I think
1: with the presence of South by Southwest, that sort of gives, I mean, I think the idea of the Austin sound or Austin music is, is really kind of like an international export, you know what I mean? Um, and, and on a larger scale, Texas music, Yeah. but I mean, starting with Willie Nelson and, you know, Jerry Jeff Walker, you know, Ray Wiley Hubbard, uh, you know, on, you know, Towns Van Zandt, on, yeah, Guy Clark, on. yeah, on and yeah, on and, yeah, on, and, yeah, on, and yeah. on It's like yeah. people, you know, people hear, austin and that sort is synonymous with music so and and interestingly enough unlike a lot of other places that became music scenes which kind of sprung maybe with the exception of nashville sprung out of larger metropolises austin really like austin became identified as a music place uh before anything else and specifically because it really was just musicians going there um out of you know an escape from from sort of the industry or any sort of regimented thing where they could just go and do their own thing and kind of reinvent the wheel for themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think out of that, it's sort of like where a lot of things kind of establish a reputation before any reputation is really created, whether that be through marketing or through image or whatever. Austin truly built, you know, the music scene and the music ethos up from the ground floor, you know, just by having all of these great artists come there and create and, and make their sound.
0: Yeah, it is a it is a unique place, and uh, it continues to to churn out uh, interesting, uh, especially sort of a Americana type bands like yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's you know that's sort of like, I think maybe with the with the scene changing a bit now, but I think yeah, historically it's been it's been singer songwriter based, and it's also had a you know a strong foundation in Americana stuff, you know, whether that be uh, blues or soul or R and B, all those sort of little tributaries of americana
0: yeah and, and of course we we couldn't be talking about an americana band without having a dog barking in the background so no we
1: couldn't it's my dog too how about that, <laughs> that
0: that's perfect and and it's got to be a hound dog right she's a blue lacy actually <laughs> ironically
1: enough the state dog of texas which will win you some favors at your next party when someone asks you a question and they won't believe you but if you could actually you can check it on wikipedia and it'll tell you that's the truth too. I will
0: i will write that in my little black book to be used at a later date Hey, we'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Hey diggers, a quick pause in the action to tell you about a new solution we are talking about here at Rock and Roll Archaeology. If you're a contact user like me, you may be interested in simple contacts. The most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder anywhere and in minutes. Need to renew your prescription? Take a five-minute simple contact vision test online. It'll then be reviewed by a licensed doctor, and then they will ship out your new lenses. All you need is your current contacts, an internet connection, and 10 feet of space. And if you have an unexpired prescription and just need more contacts, just upload a photo of your doctor's information and order new lenses. Simple Contacts does all the hard work for you by taking care of verifying and confirming your prescription. This is so convenient, fast, reliable. It's a five-star experience. All brands and lens types are available. And most importantly, Simple Contacts saves you money. Again, check out Simple Contacts and get $20 off by going to simplecontacts.com rocknroll rockandroll. Or just enter code Roll, and that's R-O-C-K n-r-o-l-l at checkout give it a try you'll thank me later
1: let's get back
0: to the show (laughs) so I, i believe the band formed after three songwriters shared a stage one
1: night yeah, it was actually four of us initially, um, but what, what what happened and what was a pretty common thing in Austin was a residency. So, ah. you know, for example, it was like four of us and we each had a, a one hour slot, like the nine, 10, 11 and 12 slot. Mm-hmm. And we had common guys in our bands and oftentimes we would sit in with each other. Um, so at some point, you know, the idea got tossed out like what, you know, why don't we, what if we just did, you know, a set, a two and a half hour set where everyone played together, you know, we kind of swap songs and play on each other's stuff we could share a rhythm section. Um, So maybe it was a little bit financially motivated as well too, but it became a, uh, became a great happy accident when we got together and started singing together, Um, you know, working out some cover songs and just working on each other's music. Um, You know, I think everybody brought Brought different cool things uh, to the aesthetic,
0: and that was uh, yourself and Gordy, and uh, I think somebody who isn't in the band any longer—is that right?
1: Yeah, no, uh, Colin Brooks, who isn't in the band, and then Brian Keene who's also a great songwriter. He was involved with the first live record that we put out as well, too. So Uh it was, uh, it was really—I mean, Uh honestly. It really uh, stemmed out of sort of a scene and a hang and a party. It really, Wednesday nights at this club in Austin, which is also no longer there, called Momos, right. uh, it just became a good place for a lot of musicians to come down and hang and other artists and people in the service industry. So, um, you know, it quickly just became a became a good night. And we'd, we'd always have people come in and sit in with us. And uh, it was just a really loose, fun kind of thing.
0: So. It, it wasn't really thought of like, hey, uh, let's form a band. It just kind oh. of uh, organically materialized.
1: Yeah, I mean, like week to week would have been like long-range planning. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, we were. It was more like moment to moment and uh-huh. song to song, for sure.
0: Right, right, right. Okay, so now, Ed, were you always an Americana lover? I mean, did you grow up like that?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think the, the word Americana... Was invented until I was, you know, uh, in college or in my twenties or something. I'm not. We'd have to check the etymology of that. I don't even know when the word Americana first appeared. Right. But I guess, I guess through, you know,
0: that means that means you you love the band and the Grateful Dead and yeah, sure. I mean, I love the band.
1: Yeah, I love the band and the Grateful Dead and you know, like my parents record collection when i was a kid was you know a lot of 70s singer songwriters james taylor yeah, yeah. cat stevens you know stuff mm-hmm. like that and then you know like the beatles and the rolling stones and um you know and then some some you know jesse Colin young some more folky stuff like you know really young probably like some peter paul and mary that's how i probably got introduced to the music that probably inspired what we now call americana yeah. you know um mm-hmm. a lot of the older american songbook and you know, lead belly, you
0: know. lead belly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you
1: know, like, so Peter, through Peter Polymeri here, yeah. like lead belly songs are right. through Pete Seeger and the weavers and yeah, things like weavers,
0: that. Right, so, right, yeah.
1: Right.
0: Oh, is that the same with the other guys in the band as well?
1: Well, I think everyone's experience is a little bit different, you know? Um, and, but I, I do think the reason why the band sounds the way it sounds is because of the shared sort of influences and in the, and the things that we do enjoy in common, which, you know, things like the band, things like the Beatles, um, you know, the Rolling Stones, things of that nature. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, those were always touchstones that we could sort of agree upon, you know.
0: Yeah, and let's give a little shout out to the guys in the band. So it's Gordy Quiz, <laughs> Trevor <laughs> Nealon, Richard Millsap, and Jesse Wilson, right? You got it. All right, all right. So you guys put your first album out in 2008, and I, I believe it went to number one on the Americana charts. Is that right?
1: It did, actually. Yeah, that was... um That was, you know, that's always a sort of,
0: uh, that's a nice
1: sign, huh? Yeah. It's, it's nice. I mean, I, you know, we never know what to expect and no one in this band certainly set out to make records to be number one or anything, but that's always nice to be recognized, you know, when you do work for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, but you've actually been recording, uh, before that as a solo artist, right?
1: Yeah. And Gordy, uh, Quist as well too. Yeah. I mean, we both had a couple of records out before the band Heathens,
0: uh, got going. So,
1: um, you know, like you said before, there wasn't really any master plan. I mean, I think initially, everybody thought it was a fun gig to do on Wednesday nights, and we would all go back to our solo careers and get together once in a while and do this but um you know there's just something it's one of those things you know when you least expect it or when you're not looking for it um sometimes magic happens, and we had a great synthesis when everybody got together and started making a sound it was uh it was pretty immediate both the way we felt about it and the way it resonated with with people listening to it,
0: right, right. And then in 2009, uh, you, you go from momas to, uh, performing at Austin city limits.
1: Yeah, that was, um, I mean, being an Austin band, that was a thrill. And then just being a fan of the show growing up
0: and seeing
1: so many great performances and really like the only music show, you know what I mean? Uh, Every other show, there would be a comedian or there'd be some talking or, you know, there'd be a a performance of a song or two from a band. But Austin City Limits was always great because it'd be like you could see a half hour or even an hour if somebody had a full episode of of a band that you really liked. and
0: Or get a good taste of somebody that you didn't know.
1: Well, that, yeah, both, both you man. know. And or, like, if you were a big fan of a band, before you could get all the music you wanted all the time and all of the live performances you wanted all the time, you would be digging for things like waiting up for, like, a Sunday Night Red Beard show or, like, King Biscuit Flower Hour or, you know, in Austin City Limits with something like that. Plus, you got to see it, which was the rarest of treats. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that show speaks for itself, for sure. So it was a thrill getting to do that
0: yeah it's got to be one of the nice things of uh being in that band is uh is uh you know you put your first album out uh you you get a chart topper on the americana charts and and now you're now you're playing austin city limits uh you must have known you guys must have known at that point hey i i think we might be able to make a living at this
1: (laughs) well we were certainly on our way i don't know you know i'm not sure when there's ever that realization i think it's just you know there's an idea of um I think no matter what level of success you have with with music or any creative endeavor, it's always about the work and whatever whatever work you're currently involved in. And then once you complete that, it's always about okay, well, what am I going to do next? You know, because you realize it's so fleeting and it's only as valid as your ability to go back into the creative well and come up with something again. Right. I think at a certain point, you feel more confident about the fact that you can just do the work, and there's less um, there's less of the self doubt to a point although (laughs) you know i mean there's
0: always self-doubt yeah there's always that you know what i mean and
1: ironically enough with the austin city limits thing terry lacona who's the producer of austin city limits and has been for you know really since the show started we ironically met him in nashville at a showcase for speaking americana for the americana festival i think in 2009 or something like that so it was it was interesting that a band from austin had to go to Nashville to meet the producer of Austin City Limits, and that's sort of where the relationship was was born out of.
0: Right, right, right. Uh, and then in 2011, on the album Top Hat, Crown, and The Clapmaster's Son, you have a little hit covering Levon Helm, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I would use the, the word hit modestly. <laughs> I mean, but let's put it this way. It's like that's one of the songs in our set that if we don't play, it's more— it's more grief than it's worth to not play it. <laughs> so um,
0: it's you know, like I mean, the, it's like the Stones playing Satisfaction. You're stuck yeah, I with mean, it. You're stuck. We're
1: with the it. kind of band that over the years, like our sets have changed, and you know, at different times. I mean, we we were playing you know, a completely different set list every single night, you know, yeah. attempting to not repeat any songs. Oh, and,
0: the, old jam yeah, yeah. Band, the old jam band. Uh, well, yeah. And also just uh, like
1: when you play 200 shows a year, it's like, we want to, we wanted to keep it interesting and, and we had fresh. people. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And we had people coming to see a lot of shows. So, you know, that was sort of some of the ethos, the ethos, but like, I think, you know, over time you start to figure out, okay, well you can do the best of both worlds, you know, so there's some songs that we play every night and then there's a bunch of other songs that we can rotate in and out where, so we can kind of entertain ourselves and still also the audience can kind of hear the songs they want to hear. Um, but uh, yeah, hurricane, that kind of was a surprise, you know, that was just a song we had heard. I think Trevor, our keyboard player had heard it and um, suggested doing it as a cover. And then we kind of, we worked it up and kind of did our own treatment on it. And um you know that's one. That's one that just has had a lot of staying power for. Oh, it's a great um, version. Uh, yeah, you know. it's a. Well, I mean, it's a great song. So that always helps. Yeah, of course, of course. And like, I, <laughs> no. I've,
0: I've always said. You know, you you could play a, a great song in any arrangement, and it'll still be a great song.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. You know, and like, you know, obviously, like a guy like Bob Dylan or. Or Tom Waits is a great example of that, yeah. where you know, yeah. um, I mean, you could do yeah, anything you, with those songs they can't and they're phenomenal. Those guys, yeah. Right right, yeah, right, right, yeah. And what's funny about Hurricane is that sort of, um, you know, like I think people liked that song when it came out, but, um, really, we've had a significant kind of bump with it in the last year. Uh, a kid named Lane Hardy covered on American Idol this year, yes, and, um, yes, so via that sort of situation, all of a sudden, um, you know, we're noticing that a ton of people are streaming and downloading the song and getting turned on to the band through that. Um, and it's ending up on, you know, playlists of, you know, I guess more mainstream country playlists on Pandora or whatever, you know, just all the sort of ways that you become aware of your music being heard or, you know, what is being affiliated with or associated with. So it's like, it was one of those interesting things where we've really not had you know any sort like mainstream exposure in terms of something like American Idol you know which is like uh, that's not really a world that we live in or that we deal in or we make music in you know um, and I don't, actually don't really know anyone that makes music <laughs> in that realm but um but it was amazing just to see sort of just the numbers that that generated and just the exposure you know and just people becoming aware of our band from that so yeah it was that was great and he was actually we got to meet him and he came to a show we did in New Orleans and sat in and sang the song with us and he's a great guy so there was a uh, it was really cool. It was a, uh, it was a, it was an interesting experience.
0: Yeah, I think uh, people can find uh, the video of uh, Lane playing with you guys on your website. Probably. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, I mean, to your point, you know, in the 21st century, the music industry is, it, it, it the old rules don't apply. So. You know how how is the road these days? What's an Americana band like yourselves do to to make a living as professional music, musicians coming up in this new music industry?
1: Well, we tour. You know, I think, and I think over the years, like I said, I mean, we were doing two hundred to two hundred fifty shows That's, a year when we started. Yeah, those are ro- which that, was, uh, those are road dogs. Yeah, kind of and now you know, I mean, I think last year we did one hundred and twenty, and well, this year we don't. You know, we didn't have a record out till le- till just recently, so. Um, I mean, this year we'll probably do 75 or 80, which is a much more healthy sort of clip. And that's honestly. The funny thing about that is, when everybody talks about the road bands like Fish or the Grateful Dead that you know toured incessantly, if you look at their touring schedule, like the busiest year they ever had was like eighty-five <laughs> shows or something like that. You know what I mean? So um, two hundred, yeah, so uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, but you know, getting started, it's like you have to play everywhere and anywhere you can. Of course, yeah. you've got to get, you know, you got to get, you have to learn how to play that as a band. You know, I mean, I, everybody was okay as a musician, but it, there's a difference between everybody being individually competent and, you know, creating a cohesive sound. And that really, for the kind of music that we play, that can only be done through, through playing live and, and through repetition, you know? Um, So that's really how we cut our teeth with it. And today it's a, you know, we're in a good place with it. We have a really, we have a great fan base. Um, Obviously there's certain places that we play that more people come out than others, but you know, we generally can play most places we want to play. We've been able to go to Europe a number of times um, playing music and, you know, it's all it's all a very hands on experience for our fans and for ourselves. So, so I, you know, that's I'm incredibly grateful for that.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like as you guys have grown, you've been able to uh, at least make it tolerable with the number of dates uh, nowadays, um, because let's face it, touring is really, you know, the uh, the the revenue generation for a band as opposed to the recordings.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think for a number of reasons, you know, and one to not be ignored is just the volume of releases too. I mean, now granted the, the, the revenue is way down in terms of the per unit capture in terms of, you know, like a stream versus a download yeah. versus someone having to buy your whole record to get your song. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, it's like, I even have noticed in the like 13 years or so that we've been a band um, kind of the inverse of the numbers that i'm talking about from you know physical unit sales to decreasing with every record to downloads increasing to now streams increasing a lot you know so um that coupled with just literally the number of releases i mean i think if we've been talking about the genre of americana a lot i mean i i I would venture to say that the number of releases in Americana every year has tripled since we've started putting out records, if not quadrupled. you know what I mean? Um, so there's just, you know, the marketplace is more open and it's more competitive. There's just yeah. more, there's more records besides the fact that everyone else has a million other choices outside of music within music. There's a million additional choices. So um, yeah, with this, so that would be without being said, it's like, you know, being able to play live and being good at playing live and putting on a show that people can't get by streaming or by listening to your record, Um, you know, that's something that we've always sort of, you know, hung our coat on. Yeah. Uh, And it's it's paid off. Well,
0: the live experience, I mean, you know, humans are social animals and there's nothing Mm -hmm. like uh, being uh, in a uh, a venue uh, watching, uh, you know, uh, an artistic uh, uh, event that everybody's sharing at the same moment. uh, And you just can't recreate that at home.
1: It's one of the it's really one of the last places you can do it. You know, maybe using the word sanctuary, would be too precious, but it's, um, it really does for me, it has that sort of impact. You know, I've, I've had some of the most formative moments of my life, you know, seeing live music and, uh. And you know that's it's great to be able to meet people and share those experiences with them too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about the new album. Uh, it, it's a complete recreation of the 1972 Ray Charles album, "A Message from the People." Why that, and why now? <laughs> well, it's again. I mean, it was I mean it's of a... not modern sounds and country and western music, yeah, or, or the genius no. of Ray Charles, or you know, it's kind of an unusual album yeah. uh, for, from Ray.
1: Well, and that kind of answers the question, you know, um, a few reasons. So a little backstory, our keyboard player, Trevor, again, had found this record, had it on vinyl. He was a big fan of 70s Ray Charles records, which, again, like you had mentioned, are a little bit more obscure and Mm. not quite as well known. Um, So he had brought the record to the attention of the band, and um, I think it got circulating, and we were all really digging it. I think him and Gordy at some point had had a conversation about the record and just, you know, how timely... All of the messages were on the record.
0: Um, Yeah, it really was a message album uh, that he created there. Yeah, and so, like in 1972, specific
1: to Nixon and some of the plight of poverty and racism in the country, which, you know, as we look at things now, um, a lot of things haven't, you know, a lot of things have gotten better, but a lot of things haven't changed. Hmm. Or you know, or, or maybe haven't maybe, changed maybe, as much or, as we would like them to. You
0: know, or maybe are regressing a little bit. Uh,
1: yeah, days. absolutely. That that's that is possible as well too, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with all those things in mind, you know, the record's out of print. Like so, um, it wasn't available on any streaming platforms. It wasn't available for download. I think they had stopped pressing the record. Um, so it's kind of like, wow, this is there's there's really nowhere to get this music. And I think we all kind of felt this was, this would be a really timely release, you know? Um, and we had just become, had the good fortune of coming into a studio in Austin that we were able to buy. Gordy specifically was able to buy. Um, and, you know, the idea just kind of started germinating. I was like, all right, well, we have, we have a week off in December. What if we get together and uh, let's just take a crack at recording this and see how it comes out. You know, I maybe we'll get, an ep out of it or maybe like two things will be cool but you know we have a a song or
0: two or something yeah i see
1: yeah we really had no idea and no preconceived notions it was just the assignment was kind of just like all right everybody go and learn the record figure out what you would play if we were doing these songs and we'll come back and you know and
0: And we ended up getting in there is it true that the studio you used was uh, a friend who had recently passed
1: it is. Yeah. Our, our Not just a friend of ours, but also um, our producer who had produced uh, he produced the Top Hat Crown record that you mentioned earlier and also produced another record of ours called Sunday Morning Record. And, you know, he had just been a great friend. And, um, you know, so that was really tough, really tough losing him. And in the process of that, imagine, like, yeah. yeah, in the process of that. His brother, who had also become a friend of ours, um, you know, he was left with the task of, of dealing with his his possessions, you know. So, um, yeah. yeah, so he basically, you know, he owned a home that the studio is in his house. So it was like he was the task for him was to sort of piece by piece sell this gear and then find someone to buy the house. So at some point, you know, Gordy and a friend of ours had the idea of, you know, hey, would you be open to the idea of keeping this as a studio? I mean. I'm not saying that we think, you know, the idea initially is like, we would love to be able to do this. I'm not promising that we can, but is that something you'd be open to? And George's brother, Michael, who's a great guy, was immediately really excited about that. You know, I think for a lot of reasons, I think I think just the idea of keeping George's legacy alive by continuing to create music in the space that he created to create music. Um, you know, I think a lot of that was really appealing to him. So with that in mind, they were able to figure out, you know, the numbers of that and make it work financially for everybody. Um, So we were really fortunate to be able to acquire this space. And the first thing that was ever recorded in the space was this record. So, you know, in like four days in December, we did most of this record. Um, So, you know, I think in addition to the record having a great message and a great meaning for the public and listeners at large and for ourselves as well, also with this added backdrop of our mentor and former producer, you know, going back into his house, into his space and making this music, really feeling like he had a presence and was involved in it. You know, Um, it was a really powerful, really powerful experience.
0: So were you guys ever daunted by realizing you're going to record an entire Ray Charles album?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The whole time. So I think, I mean, you know, I think, like I said, that's why we sort of were like, you know, if we get a few songs out of this, that's great. If we get nothing, that's okay, too. We've got it'll the be a studio. Experience yeah, it. we got the studio. We got the time. Let's do it. So we came in and really like right away, it just started going really well. And it, and right away, it became immediately apparent that we had learned a lot of, you know, learned all the parts on the record and learned the arrangements and we also established that we were going to have to change a lot of that stuff. We, you know, ultimately the goal within learning the material was like, how are we going to filter this through our lens and come up with something that sounds like us, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so song to song, like someone would be like, hey, we should treat this treat this more like like this, or maybe we should. Maybe we should strip this song down and play it with just an acoustic guitar and a bass because this arrangement is is totally bananas and it's you know it it wouldn't make any sense for us to play it like this because we would never play we don't play like this and this isn't what we sound
0: like yeah you know? I have so, to be um, true to the sound of the band I get that yeah and also like for the most part
1: as genius as Ray's arrangements are and his musicality um, you know there's a few things that were sort of had a little bit of a dated a dated sound to it you know mm-hmm. um, mm. some of the 70s arrangements with you know some of the syncopated brass and string stuff which
0: yeah, which are cool seventies.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was cool yeah, totally right. It was cool in a time capsule kind of way. Mm-hmm. But I didn't I don't really we didn't really feel like we could reproduce it faithfully. So we just went in a different direction with it. And you know, each as we got through each song, we felt more confident about uh <laughs> you know it's just what we were tackling. So that's that's kind of just how it went. You know, we did a couple two or three songs a day. Probably ninety-five percent of the thing was recorded live. Um it just started flowing, you know, and everyone was feeling really inspired and in a good place with it. And, you know, you just never know when that's going to happen. And fortunately that, that is what happened when we, we kind of set out on this.
0: Yeah. So you guys were pretty proud after the fact that, uh, you had something in the can.
1: Yeah. I think, well, you know, like specifically America, the
0: beautiful was the one. I was going to ask just, about that. Yeah. You know, let's face it. That's the piece yeah. of the resistance on the album. Yeah. It's, it's it it, sure it is is. a, 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 you know, a Ray Charles staple, um, that, that must've been the probably the most daunting thing to try to accomplish.
1: Well, we specifically, because of that, we punted that to the very end. Like that was literally on the last <laughs> day. If we, if we can do all of this other
0: stuff, <laughs> we'll try that yeah. one. Okay.
1: Yeah. On the last day, the last song, you know, after dinner, we, that was like, that's what we cut, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, you're totally right. It's, uh, so at a certain point, you know, the reason why this was successful because, is because at a certain point w- when we stopped thinking about all of the stuff you're talking about, because we never really went in with the idea that we were competing with Ray Charles, because that's certainly a losing proposition. And, and quite frankly, like for me as a musician, as an artist, I I never really look at anything like. I want to best or be better than anyone else. It's really like the only competition in, in creating art to it's me yourself. is just, just yeah. yeah, that's yeah. it. And to achieve your, your yeah. best possible performance, you know, and your highest self. And, uh, you know, I mean, I love America, the beautiful and a ton of people have covered it. So it's like, um, you know, all you can ever hope to do with it is do do your own thing with it. And honestly, we went in, it was like, listen, let's take a couple of cracks at this and see how it sounds. I think Trevor, was playing piano and Richard, our drummer and Jesse, our bass player were in one main room. And I was in, in a room singing and Gordy was in the control room with our producer and engineer friend, Steve Christensen. And, you know, we were just kind of, we kind of fired it up, played it a few times. And we really was like, yeah, it seems like it's going pretty cool. And they were both, you know, they both kind of just gave us the, like big thumbs up. Like, this is awesome. You know, do like do do one more and you can come in and hear, what it sounds like. So I think we did, I mean, I think we maybe did like four takes of it and that's, that's one, that's maybe the third take of the song. Like it's a complete take, everything, that's on that is live. I think we overdubbed the background vocals and the organ on it. But, uh,
0: yeah, you got, yeah, you I mean, got a little, a little of the gospel free, uh, feel there. And, uh, and there, there's the, the vocals are, are raw with a, with a, with a, with that, uh, kind of modern effect on it. And then it seems there's a chorus. Or is that you guys or did you bring a chorus uh-huh. in to do? No, that's uh, us. It's just, you that guys was, doubled that's... or tripled, uh, in there, huh?
1: That's like four or five of us in the room singing. And we might have double tracked it. I think we were all just standing around a mic singing. Um, yeah, and actually, you know, it's funny that you you mentioned a modern effect on it, but because it's actually the exact opposite. It's uh, it's all just tube. That's all just tube stuff. That's all, you know, really just old. cranking
0: the tubes up a little bit. That's
1: I mean, that's like the whole R and B thing when yeah. you listen to those yeah. great records and yeah. you hear the the vocals distort. And that's really
0: what it is. It's just
1: driving the driving the preamp so hard it breaks up a little bit, but kind of in a cool way. <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh yeah.
0: Uh, oh, well, I, I'm sure uh, Brother Ray is uh, smiling down uh, from heaven, <laughs> uh, saying, "All right, boys." You guys, yeah. you guys did pretty good for me. I appreciate. it. How about that. it? Now, now is that on the set list uh, every night or? Uh... Yeah, we've actually been closing our show with it. Yeah, I it's was been going say, it's, it's gotta be right. right yeah,
1: right. it's been going really well. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. It's like I think for the first ten seconds, people are kind of like you know because the song starts with the verse that nobody really knows and. For maybe the first 10 or 15 seconds, people are kind of looking at us like, are they really, are you serious? Are you really playing this song?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is this, are you
1: guys joking? Is this a joke or is this real? And then, you know, by the time we get to the last chorus, like everyone is standing. that has got to be tears.
0: Are, right. And right.
1: singing. Uh, and it's great. You yeah. know what I mean? It's a really, it's a really powerful moment um, in the set.
0: Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. So uh, uh, I understand original ranger and co-producer Quincy Jones is quite a fan of the production.
1: I guess so apparently he ended up with a copy of the record and he dug it and, uh, which was really flattering, obviously. I mean, he's had an insane musical career, you know? So, um, yeah. And then, uh, we, uh, and you know, in in a really strange twist of fate, we ended up, we played the Montreux Jazz Festival this summer and, um, we went to an after party after our set and, uh, you know, we're in there having a drink and maybe like one in the morning, some Monday night, (laughs) maybe like one in the morning that someone comes in and there's like four or five people around them and we're like, Holy shit. That's, that's fucking Quincy Jones. What's he doing here? It's like, he came to see man. Him. I guess, I don't know. He was there. I mean, he's like, at yeah. least the way he says, yeah. at least the way he says that he owns mantra,
0: you know, he's like, I he own, can this. own anything. I, he goddamn well pleases. So I
1: own this, I own this festival. Yeah. He said to us,
0: so, but uh, no,
1: he was super cool. We actually, uh, we got to meet him there. And, uh, you know, just spent a half hour talking to him, and he was just telling us amazing stories about you know Sinatra and Ray Charles and you know all kinds of stuff. And we, you know, we were actually talking about the Ray record, and he was kind of like, "I think I did the arrangement on that one." I'm not sure. He's like, "Man, you know," he's like, like God like, it, man." He's like, "You know, I've done like, I've done like 2,000 records, yeah, man." You know, so you at some point, yeah. at some point, you can't remember this shit yeah. anymore, you know. Yeah. So, uh, like
0: you said, insane he, music career. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that was like kind of the. You know, you have these moments where it's just kind of like, wow, this—I guess this was just supposed to happen. You know, we were supposed to record this yep. record and be in mantra, and then Quincy Jones showed up. You know, so um, yep. yeah, it was very cool.
0: Ah, uh, that's definitely a highlight. So uh, now you've put out "Hey Mister" as the latest single. How's that going? It's going great.
1: I think. Um, I think that's one we've gotten a little bit of blowback from some people on it. I think that Weisa. maybe. Well, I think I think maybe people that aren't listening to the song completely immediately identified as some kind of attack on Trump or something like that. And, uh, and, or, or, you know, whatever, however you, whatever well, your political it, affiliation is, it, you know, It is um,
0: rather a political album. I mean, at least the original is, and I'm I'm sure, sure you guys realized that before you recorded
1: it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I, but I, again, like, I think like rather than like, and it where we're at right now in our country it's like we're not even having political discussions we're just having polarizing discussions it's just like there's you know the really ridiculous no discussions word. yeah yeah the ridiculous word that we become addicted to is like it's everything's triggered Tribal. Triggered. Trigger. Yeah, yeah yeah it's yeah. just like such it's just horseshit it's like yeah. this song hey mister really like you know it's sort of it's not it's it's pointing a finger at the whole system saying like hey listen you know we have a ton of different problems here that we don't feel are getting addressed and specifically like, you know, people, minorities and people of, you know, a lower socioeconomic socioeconomic background who let's be honest, have less of a say in the way things go and have less of a voice that they don't have as much power or they feel like they don't have as much power. This, this really is a song speaking for them. I think, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's addressing, it's addressing poverty and hunger, um, and racism. It's like, you know, um, again, I think, whatever your political affiliation is, you have to be aware of the fact that these things are happening and, uh, be able to, you know, it's like, we love America. Like everybody loves the country. That's why we've chosen to live here. We have the right, you know, we have the freedom to live here or to not live here. If we want to, I mean, we all love it. We all, we all love it. And because we love it, um, you know, it's our duty as Americans to be able to criticize it and say, when we don't think things are right. And that's not even, yeah, that's not an I, I believe that the is country is
0: first amendment. Yeah, so. <laughs> and like that's what's so fucking crazy. It's like
1: when people get really bent out of shape about the fact that you're criticizing stuff. Yeah. It's like they start. They seem well, to take personal artists.
0: List. You know, they, they uh, yeah. There's one side that seems to try to uh, stop artists from speaking their mind, which is, I believe, a big part of art in the first place. It is, but I'll even like even to take it a step
1: further. Out of that, it's like to me, um, you know a lot of artists also take the fuck you approach with it, you know, where it's like they come out with the blowtorch and it's like yeah. people blow back against them. It's like, okay, well that's what you're going to, you know, if you throw gasoline on the fire, you're going to get a bigger fire. My, yeah. my whole point with it is well, like, you guys
0: aren't a punk band, so we won't go there.
1: Well, it's not even that though, man. It's cause it's like a lot of that to me, at some point becomes like posturing. It's like, are you really trying to accomplish anything? Or are you just trying to yell really loud and get noticed because you yell really loud to me? Like what's, what's interesting and what I'm, what, I, what I'm what i trying to accomplish and what we're all trying to accomplish with this release is just to sort of like to raise some questions and to talk about some stuff and try to do it in a manner where like we can act like you would do it at with your family <laughs> or, or you would do it when you're actually talking to someone and you're not yelling through your your <laughs> bullshit microphone or Twitter or whatever. Or you're, you know, like you're at your outrage and everything is the end of the world and it's, a, it's catastrophic and it's like it just seems like a little histrionic where it's like, all right, let's just let's take a deep breath. Let's say, hey, listen, you know what? The country's great. Like, it's provided amazing opportunities for a lot of people. It hasn't served everybody in the best way possible, though. And how do we look at doing that? And how do we try to solve these problems and correct these things? Like, reasonably, you know what I mean? How, like, how do we how do we begin to have a dialogue that we need to have to create solutions? Because that's ultimately we, what what we're after. You know, no matter what your sort of no matter what your ideology is, or you know, well, I guess not everybody, but for the most part. I think most reasonable people—that's um, what they want to see happen.
0: You know what I mean? Um, and most people are reasonable. I like. So like there almost, seems to be a, a vocal, a very vocal minority that uh, is, you know, leading this apocalyptic charge.
1: Well, and also the thing you have to remember is this: there's a certain narrative being spun by the media, and we all watch that with such regularity that we begin to believe that that is the only narrative. And that is, that's the entirety of the story when like, you know, millions, most people, hundreds of millions of people are just going about living their lives, um, you know, being really solid people doing the right thing, believing, you know, believing the right things, um, you know what I mean? And having good ethics. And it's like, they don't represent that, but it's, that's not sexier, interesting news. You know, that doesn't sell Advertising or you know online that doesn't get clickbait. So it's like that's not the shit that anybody talks about, you know. Um, so to get reckon to get noticed or recognized on either side of it, you've got to sort of be try to you know one up somebody in the in the most ridiculous way possible. Um, which you know besides not being very civil, it's just like, it's just I don't know. To me, it's not very couth. It's not intellectual. It's not intelligent. It's it's nothing. It's really it's the it's the most base level. Um, so for my own personal thing, I try to not participate in that as much as possible. And as a band, like for us to be able to participate in the discussion, which we all think is very important, an important thing to do. We wanted to do it in a way where it's like, this actually, this reflects what we actually think and how we believe, you know, what we believe and how we would want to engage in a discussion about it. You know, we're not the kind of guys that are out there like with a megaphone or in someone's face. Cause I've never like, I've never had a discussion with someone. Where I, you know, laid into them with my opinion, and by the end of it, I had changed their mind.
0: No, that's <laughs> you know? never going to happen, right? <laughs> no, and yeah, it's like, for anybody, so, yeah, okay. yeah.
1: And so it's like, why do you? Why would you approach the way you do anything like that? It's just kind of like, hey, man, hmm. let's have a discussion about this. Oh, I hear what you're saying. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe you weren't aware of this. I like, I did some reading or I listened to something, and I I found this stuff out. Do you like? Wh- what would you? How would you respond to that? What would you think about that? You know, and vice versa. I would like to think I'm I'm as open to as someone else, you know, to, to having my mind change or being, if not even having my mind change, at least being open, w- you know, yeah. open. And yeah. like, you know, the another big word we're using a lot is woke, you know, being, yeah. <laughs> being woke to, to something that you might not have been before because you're, you know, because you're becoming better educated and you're becoming more, you know, empathetic and more sympathetic to other people's lives that you're not living, that you might not have been aware of things that, that affect them, you know? Um, I think that's just part of becoming a better human being. I don't, you know, so it's like, um, there's, you know, like not to make this sound like it's too noble because that's really ultimately what it's about. Right. It's, you know, um, as an artist or as a musician, it's about becoming a better human in the world and, you know, hopefully contributing something positive to it, uh before you leave it, you know?
0: Well, there 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 is uh, uh you know uh, uh, an implied political message to the uh the original work and uh, it is uh, there with your work as well. It's just it's it it, it is subtle. It's not a polemic uh mm-hmm. and um you know, it's to your point, I think uh, in a lot of ways uh spoken softly would be a, a good way to put it.
1: Yeah, and it's cool because wh- the other thing we liked about it, too, is it's sort of like there's a lot of heavier political stuff, but there's also songs like, you know, uh, Take Me Home Country Roads by John Denver or a song like America the Beautiful, like we were talking about before. where It's like, yeah, I mean, this is this song's a complete celebration about, you know, the greatness and majesty of the country. Um, and like like we were saying before, it's like you can criticize something and still love it. That's the you know, that's the sort of the point is trying to hold you know hold everyone accountable to what they should be doing you know
0: yeah there weren't very many countries before us that you could do that at all
1: no not at all I mean you know, we've seen we've seen even more recently in countries that were sort of fronting as countries that were like that what happened to people that <laughs> that did that so uh yeah I mean we're really fortunate and like because we're really fortunate with that it's like you, we don't ever want to become complacent with that you know everybody I mean people need to remain vigilant and and defend and protect our rights to be able to do those things that's That's what, you know, that's the whole point, you know, that's the whole point, really.
0: So I understand you guys are donating a portion of the proceeds from the album to Rock the Vote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are. Why did you choose them?
1: Well, again, like, um, without choosing sides politically, um, the most important thing is that people participate. And I think that the thing that we've seen with the last couple of elections um, is that people aren't voting. Like, they're not participating and then they feel disenfranchised, or they complain about stuff. Well, it's kind of like, well, this only works well if everybody participates in it. You know, some people would like you to believe that this works better if not everybody participates in it. And it, and it, and it seems like some drastic measures have been taken to try to prevent people from participating in it. You know, so my response to that would be like, well, you know, I mean, there's nothing that should stop anyone from being able to vote. Everybody should be, you know putting their opinion in you know checking off a box making making their voice heard you know i mean that's that's part of uh, of everyone being represented you know and I, and I think that organization specifically that's what they do and in addition to that you know the thing that i had seen statistically was that you know like 18 to 24 year olds were the lowest group of people voting
0: always which
1: which blows my mind i don't know it seems like growing up as a kid whose parents were from the 60s it's like it doesn't seem like that was the case but maybe even in the 60s 18 to 24 year olds weren't voting i don't know but uh well first of
0: all 18 to 21 year olds weren't allowed to vote until 1972 True, Uh, but uh you know uh you know it's just uh you know I, i think to your point it's uh you know, there's an apathy that uh, needs to uh, be eliminated. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you use the the term woke, and mm-hmm. uh, and and everybody, and it's not just 18 to 24 year olds. Sure. So, I mean, you just look at the, uh, the 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 polling data in general, and uh, you know, it's uh, it, you know, we're in the 40s uh, of the people who actually engage uh, in elections and midterms, which is what's coming up, are are even mm-hmm. less. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, I think to, you know, it, you know, a democracy Democracy requires uh, uh, its populace to, A, be educated and to engage, uh, and otherwise it's not going to survive.
1: Yeah, I mean, the educated thing, we could probably have a three-hour discussion about <laughs> what's happening in terms of what we're doing there with public education. But, yeah, I totally agree. And I, and I to a point, I understand the apathy because I a lot of times you're looking— and everybody focuses on the presidential election so much, which is really, you know,
0: just, you know, I I mean, jumped, one. yeah, yeah. Just worry, no, worry, right? worry about your city and your your local and your yeah. state,
1: too. Yeah. It, yeah. It, but in a weird way, you know, the person who's the figurehead for the country, like, that's the world's impression. And in some way, you know, I mean, it sort of is, it, it does reflect from the top down in some way, whether we want yeah. it to or not. But it's it's interesting in the fact I that it's like, I think a lot of last people. Last
0: week. Uh,
1: yeah. Jeez. Man. It's like a lot of people like to think, um, they just they feel like they don't have a good choice, but it's kind of like, well, not making a choice like, you know, is not a, is not a better choice than making a choice that you're not completely, uh, you know, 100 percent enamored with, you know. Um, well, you're, it's you're not per, still it's making not a choice, right? If, it, if you exactly. don't engage,
0: you're still making a choice and that choice well, that's what I mean. they go that's against, the,
1: against you yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Exactly.
0: i mean i mean people need to just pay a little bit of attention uh realize that this is a civic duty uh and uh without uh without it, it you know we'll 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 go back to where where things uh you get no choice uh at all yeah that's so,
1: no so. no good <laughs> all right let's let's get
0: off the politics here for yeah, a little bit no so more. so uh uh are you guys performing the entire album on tour
1: we haven't been doing the whole record. We were going to, but I think we we sort of figured out that the, just the flow of the record and the tempos doesn't necessarily lend itself great to a... Although it, it's great in terms of a listening experience on, on a record, um, doesn't necessarily translate as well into the live uh, space. But we're, I think we're doing like seven or eight of the songs on the record right now and sort of... Um, Sprinkling, sprinkling them into some blocks during the show.
0: Yeah. So had you been, had you done, uh, country roads before or no, 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 no. I'm surprised that, I mean, that's such, that seems like such a fit for you guys, uh, (sighs) Yeah, it's like one of the we have
1: always sort of chosen covers that have not been, you know, the ubiquitous songs yeah. or the biggest hit, <laughs> hits it, from bands. Yeah, you I, know,
0: I think that that that, that song's got uh, well over a hundred um, million streams on Spotify.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing song. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's been played. It's like it's been played so much that you sometimes forget how great of a song it is and how yeah. you know how great it is at capturing the feeling there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that really that solely came about because of the, it was a part of the record.
0: And, uh, and you just played the Ryman recently. Is that the first time you guys have played that? We had done, like, one song one other
1: time during the Americana Awards uh, oh, okay. eight or nine years ago. But, yeah, that was the first time we had done a set there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, such a great room, yeah, if, great Feel the, great atmosphere.
0: Feel the Ghost, did you?
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, everywhere. And it just sounds incredible. And I think, the, I think even the audience, when they come in, they're sort of— they're anticipating it as well too. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's the great, it's a great setting for a show. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and just to, you know, to, to, to remind the diggers that, uh, you know, these songs that, that you have covered, you know, are really wonderful renditions with a unique stamp on them. Um, you know, it's capturing the original, uh, intent, but it, it's still, you know, it's all band of heathens.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's why we ended up releasing it. You know what I mean? I think once we, When we finished recording it and we started hearing some of the mixes from it it's like this you know what i mean this makes sense for us this makes sense to us and you know sort of uh i think all of our records have been a a progression in a way you know i feel like if i go back and listen to our records some sort of of sequential order which i actually don't really do but if i think about them you know, I think, I feel like there's an evolution record to record and we, you know, we bring things from each record forward into the new record and then, and add new things to it. And I feel like this record, um, really did that, you know, it, it, it encompasses everything from some singer songwriter stuff to more acoustic stuff and to country stuff to, you know, more soul and R and B stuff, some psychedelic stuff. Um, sometimes all that stuff at the same time, you mm-hmm. know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, that's, and that's kind of what we're always after whenever we set out to do a new record. and um, yeah, like like you said, I, I think this this sounds like a record of the band of heathens, and and that's why we're we're proud to to release it.
0: Yeah, and since I don't want the diggers to walk away thinking you gentlemen do just fine cover versions of great songs <laughs> from <laughs> legendary artists, uh, mm-hmm. Rolling Stone magazine did call you your your single earlier this year. Uh, Trouble came early out is something to pay attention to.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've done, we have five studio records, you know, and a bunch of other material that we, that we play live that we haven't recorded. So, I mean, that's the foundation of the band has really been about, always been about writing songs and, and making records, um, and then playing shows to support that, to support that, you know? So we, the next thing we'll do, and we've already started, it is, um, writing and recording a new record, which hopefully will be out sometime next year. Um, and on and on it goes, you know, if we're fortunate enough to, uh, and stay in good health and all, you know, all those things that we take for granted, um, continue to go. That's, that's what we'll be doing.
0: Yeah. So 2018 was a busy year for you guys, uh, recording wise. And, uh, uh, next year you're going to put a new original album out, right?
1: That's the plan. You know, we started, we started, uh, we started recording. So we'll see. I never know. You just really never know how it's going to go. You know, we, uh, I think the last record we did, we recorded like 30 songs or something. So, um, you know, maybe the first 10 that we record this time will be the 10 probably not, but, uh, <laughs> right, but it's, right. you know, it's, uh, it's, it's always an ongoing process. So, you know, I hope we'll have something out next year, but, um, we'll have something out when it's ready and we're all happy with it and it's where we need it to be. Um, but yeah, it, like, you know, 2019 would be the goal to have a new record
0: out. Oh, uh, well it, uh, it sounds like, uh, you guys are uh, out there making it happen. Uh, and it sounds like a band of heathen show is something not to be missed. Um, I can't can't wait to see you guys. When are you guys coming out to the West Coast?
1: it's a great question. I, I want to say I think we're looking at some stuff maybe in the sp- like March or April, the spring of next year. So, hopefully that all comes together. It's been a little while since we've been out there and uh that's always one of my favorite places in the country to be. So, uh yeah. Yeah, I think um I think the band, you know, if if you love music and you love listening to live music and being part of the live music experience that, you know, we're the kind of band that you would enjoy
0: and you'd want to check out. Well, we'll keep our eyes on you. Ed Jurdy, thanks so much for being on Deeper Digs in Rock. Well, man, my pleasure. Great talking to you. Country road,
1: take me home To the place I belong West Virginia
0: Yeah, I really had a good time speaking with Ed jerdy and I hope you did too. Uh, let me tell you, this is a tall order recreated an entire classic Ray Charles album. I think the band of heathens more than met the bar... Uh, But you go download or stream a message from the people revisited and let us know if uh, you don't get a tear in your eye and want to unfurl your very own stars and stripes. I can tell you one thing after listening to the whole album. Uh, We are much better working together than working against each other. In fact, uh, that is the uniqueness about this country. We're not a people of common ancestry, but a people of common ideal. Uh, Of many ideals, actually. The proverbial melting pot that, with the right ingredients and attentive cooks, will always make a fine stew. Keep that in mind as we begin 2019. Alright, alright, off the soapbox. Goodbye for now. I'm Christian Swain and this has been Deeper Digs in Rock, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Keep up the rocking. Oh, beautiful For heroes proved
1: In liberation Our country love
0: Folks like Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, DJ Shadow, and many, many more have encouraged their fans to join the effort. You can, too. Go to OxfamAmerica.org to learn how you can help. Deeper Digs in Rocks, produced and hosted by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. All quotes performed by actors unless noted. Playlists can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please purchase these great and important tracks. All songs, clips, and references can be found on our show notes. Please visit rnrap.com for more information. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football